1: Inside sources. Inside sources on KSL News Radio 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. KM, KM. Welcome, everyone, to Inside Sources here on KSL News Radio. It's great to be with you today. I am Boyd Matheson, opinion editor at the Deseret News, and this is a Christmas Eve special here on Inside Sources. So we're looking forward to the next 60 minutes. We won't make these the fastest 60 minutes in radio, but hopefully we can make them an important and meaningful 60 minutes for you on Christmas Eve. You know, I'm of the opinion that our our preparations for the commercial side of Christmas starts way too early. Our consideration of the meaning of Christmas begins way too late, and our celebration of Christmas ends far too soon, in my opinion. So, as Christians around the world attempt to resist the onslaught of the commercialized Christmas, I thought I'd offer you today in this opening segment two gifts to receive and to share that might deepen the consideration of Christmas in the days ahead and extend the celebration of Christmas beyond noon on December 25th. As with other faith traditions, Christian holidays or holy days are centered in family and friends, neighbors and loved ones, and above all, the magic of children. It's always about the magic of children. Christians unite in their celebration of the Savior Jesus Christ through music, word, and prayer. There are biblical accounts of the reality of the Christ child being born in Bethlehem, Reflections on His holy life and ministry lead, ultimately, to Christ's infinite yet individually applied atoning sacrifice. Declarations of saints and angels down through the ages bear record of His mercy and His divinity. So, the two Christmas offerings that we should both receive and share in order to properly celebrate Christmas are first, the gift of compassion, and second, the blessing of believing. You know, it was uh, years ago, I remember boarding a very small plane on a flight from Palm Springs back to Salt Lake City. And I took my seat in the exit row, as is my custom. Uh, Many on board were chatting it up about their relaxing weekends, their refreshing spa treatments, their rounds of golf and great restaurants. Uh, I had been there in Palm Springs strictly on business. And found myself getting a little bit resentful and a little grumpy. uh, As I seemed to be the only one on the entire plane who actually had to work for the weekend. Uh, Tired and spent, I was really just hoping to retreat into the pages of the book that I had brought with me as we prepared to take off. But I soon noticed that the woman who was sitting directly in front of me uh, was crying. And was clearly having a difficult time trying to keep herself together. And I admit... That at first, I attempted to ignore her sobs. I stared out the window. I tried to focus on my book. I tried to escape in thought. And then, in an instant, I will never forget. I had one of the most overpowering feelings of compassion that I had ever experienced. Suddenly, I could feel I could feel the heaviness of her burden. I sensed the sting of her loss, whatever that might have been. I understood the cloud of confusion in her racing thoughts, and I could hear the echo of her silent pleadings for peace, for strength, for assurance. And soon I found my own eyes kind of feeling and spilling over with uh, tears of her sorrow. So as we were finally up to altitude, uh, the woman got up to go to the restroom I turned toward the window to to hide my own tears and was then prompted, uh, compelled really, uh, to pull out a piece of paper to jot down a quick note. And I tell you, my pen flew across the pages as I began writing words that went something like this. I wrote, I know sometimes a good cry on a bad plane can be a good thing. And at other times it can be a horribly isolating thing that can cause sadness to sink ultimately into despair. I continued, if talking would help, I did tell the flight attendant I was willing to assist all passengers in the event of an emergency. Remember, I was sitting in the exit row. Then I concluded, if talking is not what you need today, then my prayer for you is simply this, that in the quiet of today, you may realize the greatness of your spirit and the grandness of your soul, that your hopes will rise on the wings of possibility and that you will realize that you are not alone. Wishing you all the best, a fellow traveler. I folded the note and handed it to her as she returned to her seat. I turned back towards my reading, and then shortly before we landed, she handed me back a note. It was a note filled with gratitude. We landed and taxied to the gate. As we stood to exit the aircraft, she leaned over and very softly said, Thank you. And then, in an instant, she disappeared into the crowd at the airport, and she was gone. I admit, as I walked out of the airport that day, I found that my own energy had been restored. My own hope had been renewed. I felt connected to the throngs of people I passed by. I discovered myself trying to look into people's eyes instead of down at my shoes. I had a new desire to reach out to others instead of focusing inward on my own problems and challenges. So I'm convinced that true joy and happiness are to be found in the ways we compassionately connect with one another. Think of it. Two scribbled notes exchanged at 30,000 feet and two words, thank you, spoken on solid ground, provided a soaring view of what we can compassionately become. You see, there is a renewing power to be found in compassion. Compassion is the essence of what makes Christmas, Christmas. Compassion is central to the believing people of Jesus Christ. Compassion provides confidence that we do not walk alone here on earth. Christianity contains within it a commitment to receive, share, and reap the benefits of the gift of compassion. My second gift for the day today is the blessing of believing. And of course, that is centered in wonderful children. This year, obviously, has been filled with all kinds of uncertainty, divisive rhetoric, dire predictions, and dark and discouraging days, to be sure. And there's a critical need for people everywhere to simply believe. More than ever, we need to believe. We need to believe in the goodness of people, in the greatness of God. Christmas is indeed a season. It's a season for believing. The Bible tells of a believing Mary who said, Be it unto me according to thy word. When told of the blessed baby she would bring forth, Joseph believed and was not afraid to take Mary to be his wife. The shepherds believed, and they came. The wise men believed and followed the star. Jesus Christ himself declared, all things are possible to him that believes. To paraphrase something I'm certain, Elder Jeffrey R. Hollum of the Quorum of the Twelve Apostles of the Church of Jesus Christ once taught, notice that Christ didn't say, all things are possible unless you are missing a loved one or a limb. Nor did he say all things are possible except if you have a wayward child or a wandering spouse. He did not say all things are possible unless you have a financial setback, a debilitating disease, or feel discouraged and depressed. He said, all things are possible to them that believe. I'm a firm believer that all things are possible to them that believe. I can make such a statement, not because I've seen God or angels. I can declare that all things are possible because of the people I see every day. And all of you who listen to this program, I'm continually in awe of human beings, ordinary people who selflessly share their talents and make a difference in their neighborhoods and communities. So such magnificent mortals make it possible for everyone to confirm on Christmas Day and every day. That all things are possible to them that believe. So, those two gifts, the gift of compassion and the blessing of believing, to me are two great gifts to begin your Christmas Eve with. We're going to go ahead and step aside, but make sure you stay with us throughout the show today. Coming up next, my interview with Neil Harmon uh, of VidAngel and a special inside backstage look at The Chosen, the first real series about the life of Jesus Christ. We'll also have lessons learned from 2020 and we'll round out our program today. You don't want to miss the last few moments as we have a very special story that everyone's going to want to hear. Stay with us. There's much more to come on this special Christmas Eve edition of Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Inside Sources on KSL News Radio. Welcome back to this special Christmas Eve edition of Inside Sources here on KSL News Radio. I am Boyd Matheson, opinion editor at the Deseret News. Great to be with you today, and really excited for this conversation. I had the opportunity to interview Neil Harmon, uh, who is the CEO of VidAngel. Uh, partner with The Chosen on a most extraordinary uh, series that is playing out on the life of Jesus Christ. And as we are on Christmas Eve, we thought it'd be great to uh, talk about how that all came about Uh, between what VidAngel was trying to do in terms of uh, helping people get content into their home that uh, was good for kids and good for the household, uh, and then also looking at uh, The Chosen and how it actually all came about. So started in talking uh, with Neil, Neil Harmon, again, CEO of VidAngel. Uh, They've had some challenges, some setbacks, and uh, now they are uh, on the crest of some extraordinary successes and opportunities and so I asked Neil about the the failures that led to this opportunity to create original content, uh, not just uh, screening and and uh, trying to to block out stuff, uh, but it really was an opportunity that launched uh, into the chosen.
3: So the night that we learned that we needed to shut down our fourth product, we were at a company Christmas party with all the families, and uh, we invited the news to come, and we said, "Hey." Hollywood doesn't want us to do this. The judges in California say that we can't do it while we figure it out. So we're launching a new studio, and our first project is going to be a stand-up comedy series, Mm. which we ended up naming Dry Bar. Today, Dry Bar gets over a billion views a year, and uh, we've had comedians from all over North America come to perform there. Matthew Faraci has been helping us all along this path, and when we succeeded with Dry Bar, we, we thought, well, we just nailed it, and we're outgrowing the rest of the industry, and we're... Outperforming other major studios in stand-up, can we do this with a bigger scale production that is storytelling, that's uh, narrative? And then Matthew and all, all of us were looking for what the next project would be, and Matthew brought us Dallas and and the short film The Shepherd. And after we saw it, we knew that that's the piece that we wanted to do. We were very grateful that we had done Dry bar because I'm not sure that Dallas would have wanted to work with us just simply as a filtering company had he not seen that, oh, these guys know how to do content and they've done a really good job and they've gotten over a billion views with this project. Let's give this a shot. So we definitely both came out of like the depths, our lowest lows when we came together, which gave us the humility to to give each other a shot. And uh, we're really grateful to work with Dallas on on his project.
1: I just love the fact that it was this lowest of lows. Uh, I keep saying that humility creates space for creativity. Uh, and the fact that VidAngel had had some failures, that uh, Dallas Jenkins, the uh, director of The Chosen, had had some great success, and then some big flops, Uh, they both were in a space uh, where they could be creative, where they could collaborate, cooperate, and create something absolutely extraordinary. And once they decided to actually go after that, uh, I asked Neil about how they're changing the model in terms of how things get funded, how audiences are engaged, and what that means for future projects.
3: Audience funded VidAngel to the tune of $10 million to fight the battle, because we raised that money in a matter of days. I remember Daniel, my brother, called me and said, Neil, can you imagine if we applied this model to movies and TV shows? Mm-hmm that would be really powerful and and uh, uh, you know the light just clicked oh yeah that would be super powerful because that's the audience it's the it's the people who want the content to be created and if they deliver the funds you know it's like the golden rule he who has the gold makes the rules and hollywood's been making the rules for a long time but if the audience is tired of hollywood let let them help us make the rules so that was where the idea kind of was spawned was on that phone call after our fundraising round and so we told Dallas he was really excited to work with us, and then when he came out to, to, to Utah to meet with us, we told him how we were going to raise the money, and, and then his face just fell. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, that's a terrible idea, and uh, we won't raise 800 bucks. But we were both in a state of, uh, of our, the lows of our careers that we were willing to give it a shot and work together on it. And with the VidAngel round, we raised $10 million with 8,000 people, And in the chosen round, we raised almost $11 with uh, over 19,000 people in order to make that show. And it told us, yes, the world wants this show to be made. So Dallas made it.
1: (laughs) Uh, There's so much to love about that (laughs) answer, but it just keeps rolling. So the next thing they had to look at was uh, a unique way to distribute the content. And so Neil said that we decided we would just see if a pay-it-forward model would actually work.
3: Through hardship, we started with the studio model where we would so we try to mirror some of those models. And um, through Hard Knocks, we, we learned, and through listening to our customers, because we track everything that we do, we learned that there are a lot of people out there that are ready to, to watch The Chosen, and there are a lot of people who want to give it to others. Mm-hmm. We, we tried this program where, where we made it possible for you to give The Chosen to your friends. And so I went out and I bought like 100 uh, Chosens and gave it out to... I think 64 friends in the early stages of this project and these are my good friends and it was like pulling teeth to get anybody to watch this show <laughs> and and it was so discouraging because you know after you've seen the show you understand and you're, you want to share it with other people because it's messages is so impactful and, and it touches your heart so deeply and so one day we're, 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 we're commiserating over this and the, the idea came hey there are a lot of people who want to watch this and it's not necessarily our friends and if we just let people who want to give and the people who are ready to watch be connected then we'll probably have more success than trying to get our friends that aren't ready to watch it to watch it and uh, that's kind of when the the idea of pay it forward kind of grew out of that and out of a lot of work that my brother Jeffrey and and our technical team and everything had put into ideas around this it's, it's just a joint effort but there was a lot of inspiration in that and as soon as that model together, the project just totally took on a life of its own, mm. and, um, and and that's where we found our seeds of success, yeah. is in giving first and then asking
1: second. Again, so many strong things there. Uh, we also talked about how it's, it's those little things. It's the individual effort. It's the individual act that can change the world. It's not about the, the big things. It's not about solutions coming out of Washington. It's about each of us doing little things day in and day out that can actually make a difference.
3: I've learned that super small efforts and super small things, just regular individuals can have a huge impact on our culture. Mm. I can't put it any other way. I think the reason we started VidAngel Angel is because we felt powerless about our culture and we saw it going in a direction that we didn't necessarily want our families to go. And I didn't realize the kind of power that just the efforts of individuals. I mean, this is starts with Dallas's failure. It starts with VidAngel's failure coming together. And and then it grows to 19,000 people helping it. And then it grows to hundreds of thousands of people paying it forward. And then it grows to 180 countries. And all this idea, it just, we underestimate our ability just to do the very best we can in the place that God has put us in our lives to actually change the culture around us, and and it just makes me really hopeful about the future, which is hard to have hope in 2020, but I, I have lots of hope, and 2020 for us has been one of the greatest blessings because we discovered the Pay It Forward model, the world got shut down, and guess what? A lot of the people out there, they wanted to watch The Chosen, and The Chosen was just it's imbued with light and hope.
1: So many powerful lessons there from Neil Harmon, CEO of VidAngel. If you want to hear the whole interview, you can go to our Therefore What podcast uh, and get some of those uh, additional behind the scenes conversations. We're going to go ahead and step aside for a quick commercial break. When we come back, we're going to learn some lessons from some faith leaders across faith traditions. Stay with us on this special Christmas Eve edition of Inside Sources here on KSL News Radio. Inside Sources. Inside Sources on KSL News Radio, one hundred two point seven FM and eleven sixty AM. Welcome back to this special Christmas Eve edition of Inside Sources here on KSL News Radio. It is great to be with you today. I am Boyd Matheson, opinion editor at the Deseret News, and as we look back over the course of twenty twenty. Uh, We've had the honor and the opportunity to learn from some great spiritual leaders of a variety of faith and faith traditions. We've learned wisdom. We've gained insight from reverends and rabbis, from teachers who have lifted our spirits and uh, so many other things here on Inside Sources. We've looked at challenges and difficulties happening around the world, but we've had some really important conversations, some crucial conversations about things like cultivating kindness and generosity or listening with compassion Uh, We've also had all kinds of great invitations uh, to do things like uh, what you're going to hear in a minute from our good friend Amos Brown to tangibilitate that kindness and uh, really make it real and effective in people's lives. So what we're going to do today is we're going to revisit and we're going to expand some of those inspiring gifts, some of those inspirational words, some lessons that will not only help us as we round out 2020, but really propel us forward as we rocket into the new year. So I want to start today with a conversation we had with Elder Jeffrey R. Holland, a member of the Quorum of the Twelve Apostles of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. His message was that of hope. Uh, Before Thanksgiving, he talked about the pandemic, the challenges that it has brought to all of us, but why he has hope, why he has confidence that there are indeed good things to come.
0: The pandemic has brought a, it's not only sobered people, I think it's frightened many people, not just for their health, not just because it's a vicious illness, but because it does have its financial impact and its social impact and all these things we've talked about that uh, have taken us away from uh, each other and from things that we normally do. So I think what we've been left with, fortunately, in a blessed way, Uh, in a tremendously advantageous way is that if we haven't been able to turn here and we can't turn there, we can turn up. And uh, I hope that one thing we've all done is uh, come closer to God, that uh, we know that he does not move. He is not subject to pandemics. Uh, He can uh, not only cure that problem, but he can cure every other problem in our lives. If we get up every morning and do the best we can, uh, miracles will come. Uh, that's my promise. That's that's what keeps me going, and I think that's what will keep members of the church and those who are not of our faith. We're all in this together. We're going to have a happy ending. We're all going to be of good cheer uh, because it is true, and uh, a very, very large elephant you eat just one bite at a time.
1: Love that. Uh, One bite at a time, Uh, or as I learned in Japan, elephants don't bite, but fleas do. It's those little things uh, that either hold you back or really propel you forward. And we learned that from many of the the leaders uh, of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter Day Saints, talking about everything from religion being an essential element, uh, not something that should be in the same category as buying groceries or gasoline. Uh, we heard that from Elder David A. Bednar. We heard uh, from a host of others uh, throughout the course of the year, including the President of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter Day Saints, Russell M. Nelson, who delivered uh, a mountain of invitations. And challenges to engage people, whether it was on gratitude just before Thanksgiving, whether it was to, to be part of a, a great effort uh, delivered by uh, Sister Jean B. Bingham, president of the, the General Relief Society, president for the church for the, the, the masks, uh, over six million masks uh, just created in such an, an amazing way. And so to me, those were, were faith stories that were inspiring, that were uplifting, that were also uh, very much focused on action. And that leads me to the second little soundbite I want to share with you today, uh, lessons learned. And as I teased this a little earlier from our our good friend, Reverend Amos Brown. And uh, I first met Reverend Brown. Again, he is the pastor of the uh, historic Third Baptist Church of San Francisco. He's also uh, a member of the NAACP, uh, been an emeritus board member there. Uh, First met him back in Detroit, Michigan at the annual conference of the NAACP and uh, has just been someone I have listened to over and over and over again ever since. And he introduced me to a new word, uh, which I want to pass along to all of you on Christmas Eve. The word is tangibilitate. And listen to Reverend Amos Brown as he describes what that means in your world.
3: Tangibilitation means. People becoming involved, it means, and I think that is admirable, it's amenable,
4: and all we need to do is to continue to hold our hope and do the good thing that we are doing, of being a people of integrity,
3: of goodwill, and having our sights kept on the prize
4: of saving the soul of this nation.
1: Saving the soul of this nation, Uh, he says, is going to be based on our ability to tangibilitate. <laughs> now, tangibilitate is not a real world word, uh, but it's been around for a long time, actually. And uh, Amos Brown, uh, Reverend Brown, gave us uh, such great observations uh, into a host of things, including his interaction with President Russell M. Nelson, uh, talking about how to tangibilitate the gospel or how to tangibilitate important principles. And it's making it real. It's making it perceptible, understandable, touchable, obtainable, doable. And I think when we talk about a lot of the principles that we need in our nation, it isn't enough just to recite a list of virtues. Uh, We have to tangibilitate them. We have to make them real. We have to make them actionable and then we have to act. That's what tangibilitate's all about. Many of you who have listened to Inside Sources throughout the year know that our uh, good friend uh, Teresa Deer, she's an ordained uh, AME uh, reverend. She's also a member of the NAACP and uh, has an HR consulting firm uh, in Illinois that focuses on many of the racial issues of our day. And she's somebody who knows how to tangibilitate a principle or two. And as we were talking about all the challenges as it related to race relationships, to prejudice, to breaking down uh, s- systemic racism, to being to becoming part of the solution in everything, uh, Teresa Deere gave us some really simple but a really powerful way to make it a reality.
5: You should befriend someone who is not like you, so be it African American, Hispanic, Muslim, et cetera befriend that individual, and then just take the time to listen and ask questions. The other thing that I would encourage you to do is to be an advocate in this cause. What does that look like? That looks like sending an email to your congressman or your senator. And it is also making sure that when you see offenses of any kind, those offenses that are overt, those offenses that are um, uh, covert or even nuanced, respond immediately. Be someone who steps in and not someone who will turn a blind eye and a deaf ear to what you know is wrong.
1: So there's a challenge for you for Christmas Eve over the course of the holidays. uh So Get with somebody who thinks different than you are, who looks different, who is different than you. Uh, you, It may start a friendship that uh, will bless both of you in the end. Elder Quentin L. Cook, a member of the Quorum of the Twelve Apostles of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, also gave some fascinating counsel in the midst of a, a powerful address that he delivered earlier this year. And he talked about how we should react to criticism and how we should do that with kindness. Uh, instead of that contempt, here's what he said.
6: Most of the criticism I am describing is calculated to be as powerful, direct, and divisive as the proponent can achieve. I love what Matt Groh, our incredible managing director of church history, cautioned about this approach. Quote, be careful about sources of information that just seek to tear people down. Look instead for sources of information that are based on the records left by the people themselves and that seek to be fair to them. It is really easy to play gotcha with the past, to pull a quotation or incident out of context and make it look alarming. Brother Grove continues, As a historian, I try to follow the advice of a British novelist. He said, the past is a foreign country. They do things differently there. That means when we visit the past, we don't want to be an ugly tourist. We want to try to understand people within their own context and their own culture. We want to be patient with what we perceive as their faults. We want to be humble about the limits of our own knowledge. And we want to have a spirit of charity about the past, End quote.
1: So many, So many lessons there from Elder Quentin L. Cook. Uh, but I love this idea of when we visit the past, We need to remember that they do things differently there, and we can't really judge them by uh, where we are today based on what they did then. Uh, So many things in our cancel culture uh, that could be taken differently. Uh, We need to learn from our past to be sure. Uh, but we don't need to rewrite it uh, in order to learn from it and in order to move forward with it. Uh, so great, great insight there. Uh, as we got into the uh, back half of the year and as we uh, reached uh, the Hanukkah season, had the opportunity to uh, talk with the Utah's homegrown rabbi, uh, Remy Zippel, uh, just such a great soul. And uh, as, as Hanukkah was beginning and what many have called a year of a dark winter, uh, can be dispelled with light. Light is never more important than when it is darkest. And uh, Rabbi Zippel gave us some great insight into how we do that.
3: You know, Hanukkah is an extremely special and meaningful time of the year, and one in which I always find tremendous significance and meaning. And, you know, there's some very, very powerful lessons that could be had every year. But I think particularly this year, during the age of COVID and the dark winter that you discussed, I think for a lot of people during 2020, there's been this constant sense of Well, things are just not the same. You know, we want to be doing something, celebrating a holiday, a religious observance, doing all the things that we normally do that would always be happening under ordinary circumstances, and we just can't do them due to COVID. And I think about our forefathers coming into the Holy Temple and wanting to do this great significance, lighting this candelabra for God, doing the thing they would ordinarily be doing— and realizing that the circumstances that they found themselves in made that impossible. They only had one small cruise of oil instead of having their regular supply. And so I think that the predicament they found themselves in thousands of years ago is so similar to where we are today. And you know what they did, Boyd? They made the best with what they could. They did what was, what was up to them. They, were, they controlled what they were able to control and left the rest up to God, and God performed a miracle for
1: them. And, and then finally rounding out the year uh, to one of the great connections for me, one of the real gifts uh, for me in 2020 uh, was the opportunity to visit with Rabbi Lord Jonathan Sachs uh, from Great Britain. And part of what has made that even more special is what has happened since in that uh, sadly Rabbi Sachs uh, passed away uh, after a, a brief battle with cancer Uh But even in the midst of that, uh, he made time uh, to chat with me and to chat with you and to have a conversation with us uh, about what it means to really climb the mountain, uh, to look to principle and to find the common good in divided times. And so for me, this is a very cherished memory from a very cherished voice that we all should continue to listen to for generations to come, Rabbi Lord Jonathan Sachs.
4: We have to take the people who disagree with us and respect them. People whose views are completely different and even opposed to mine have also thought things through. And I want to be able to say to them, you know what? We may completely differ on almost everything, but you're a human being and I respect that. And I hope you respect the fact that I'm a human being. I'm a religious leader. I'm also And people said to me, you know, what are you going to do, convert him? Um, And I said, no, I'm going to do something much better than that. I'm going to listen to him. So, you know, I think all the divisions that currently exist in society have gone far, far too far. Mm -hmm. I'm not saying it will be easy to reverse any of them. It won't be. But there is none of them that cannot be reversed because... All it really needs is openness, respect, and a willingness to honor people with views not like your own.
1: Such a great message, such a great gift from Rabbi Lord Jonathan Sachs before his passing. And so all of these remembrances that we've had in this segment from some great faith leaders from across faith traditions are all principles. And we need to remember that just because we might have a difference of opinion, that doesn't necessarily mean we have a difference of principle. And that's an important principle for us to remember as well. We're going to go ahead and step aside. And when we come back on this special Christmas Eve edition of Inside Sources, it was the night before Christmas, because it is the night before Christmas. Next Inside Sources, Inside Sources on KSL News Radio. back to this special Christmas Eve edition of Inside Sources here on KSL News Radio. I am Boyd Matheson, opinion editor at the Deseret News. There is no other secular story related to Christmas as well-loved, well-adapted, and well-spoken of as The Night Before Christmas, or as it was originally titled in its 1823 debut, A Visit from St. Nicholas. Of course, we all remember the poem beautifully captures the magic and excitement of Christmas Eve. From the children's dreams to the playful nod at a parent, the poem was first published anonymously on Christmas Eve Eve. (laughs) Get that straight. Christmas Eve Eve, that is December 23rd, 1823, in the New York Sentinel. It captured the mind of its readers, uh, winning popularity right from the start, and has been called arguably the best-known verses ever written by an American. I think that's true. It has shaped our vision of Santa Claus for generations, from his rosy, dimpled cheeks, iconic outfit, extended belly, which I'm trying to model this season, to his playful and kind nature. So this is the interesting backstory to this. Why in the world was it published anonymously first? Well, the the poem is often credited to Clement Clark Moore, who was a very well-respected professor of ancient languages, who simply did not want his work and his craft to be connected with anything unscholarly or, heaven forbid, childish. Moore originally wrote the poem for his children. He did have nine of them, by the way, and he was inspired while he was out shopping for his family. He wrote it down appropriately on a winter sleigh ride. For the jolly old elf, he was inspired by the kindness and character of both the historic St. Nicholas and also a local Dutch handyman. Finally, at his children's insistence, Moore allowed a friend of his to publish the piece, but only, only if his name was not tied to it. So it wasn't until 1844 that Clement Clark Moore admitted that he was the author of The Night Before Christmas. This classic Christmas tale wouldn't have happened if a man had not softened his heart to the Christmas his children craved. And it would not have happened if his children had not encouraged their father to share the gifts that he had, the gift of magic that he brought and gave to them so often. Now, we can't mention this holiday poetry and pass up a chance to actually share it with you, especially because, after all, it is Christmas Eve, So we invite you to ponder the magic of the season as we read Clement Clark Moore's "'Twas the Night Before Christmas." "'Twas the night before Christmas, when all through the house not a creature was stirring, not even a mouse. The stockings were hung by the chimney with care, in hopes that St. Nicholas soon would be there. The children were nestled all snug in their beds, while visions of sugar plums danced in their heads. And mamma in her kerchief and I in my cap With a little old driver, so lively and quick, I knew in a moment it must be St. Nick. More rapid than eagles his coursers they came, and he whistled and shouted and called them by name. Now Dasher, now Dancer, now Prancer and Vixen, on Comet and Cupid, on Donner and Blitzen. To the top of the porch, to the top of the wall, now dash away, dash away, dash away all. As dry leaves that before the wild hurricane fly, When they meet with an obstacle, mount to the sky. So up to the housetop, the coursers they flew, With the sleigh full of toys, and St. Nicholas too. And then, in a twinkling, I heard on the roof The prancing and pawing of each little hoof. As I drew in my hand and was turning around, Down the chimney St. Nicholas came with a bound. He was dressed all in fur, from his head to his foot, And his clothes were all tarnished with ashes and soot. A bundle of toys he had flung on his back, and he looked like a peddler just opening his pack. His eyes, how they twinkled, his dimples, how merry. His cheeks were like roses, his nose like a cherry. His droll little mouth was drawn up like a bow, and the beard of his chin was as white as the snow. The stump of a pipe he held tight in his teeth, and the smoke it encircled his head like a wreath. He had a broad face and a little round belly that shook when he laughed And away they all flew like the down of a thistle. But I heard him exclaim, ere he drove out of sight, Happy Christmas to all, and to all a good night. The holidays are a time of wonder and magic, a time for family and friends, and, of course, it's a special time for children. That is how it should be, and that's how I think it should stay. To find in the hustle of this season we should grant ourselves the gift. The ultimate privilege, really, to slow down, to be filled with awe, and to take time to wander and to wonder in the magic of Christmas. The beloved story the night before Christmas may never have come into being were it not for the nudging of Christmas-craving children and a busy professional, a parent who was willing to indulge in some time with the children and create something for them. So, on this special Christmas Eve edition of Inside Sources on KSL News Radio, I am Boyd Matheson, opinion editor at the Deseret News, and I say, Happy Christmas to all, and to all, a good night. And remember, as you go out into the world, especially on Christmas Eve, remember to see something that inspires, say something that uplifts, and do something today that will make a difference. Merry Christmas.